I'm Max, and you're listening to Zito Slapitas, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you moviegoers out there? I'm Alan. I'm Molly. I'm Max. And this is Zetus Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, folks, we watched Phantom of the Megaplex. Dun, we sure dun, did. Dun, 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 dun. Your it, fa- it's your favorite, Alan. This is yeah, your favorite show. They're the same thing. That's uh-huh. what I heard. Yeah. I heard you love this show. We no longer have to go to New York to see Phantom That's of the right. Opera. That's right. You saw it. Watch this. Yeah. Phantom yeah. of the Opera and this thing are the same. They are I mean, undeniably, identical. Phantom of the Opera was on your screen at some point during uh, this film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, individual elements of Phantom of the Opera. So, like, if you were to just do a really bad sort of, like, cut out of of like pictures of the you've seen of fan of and like paste them onto other like background images then it, yeah it's it's pieces of fan of no, the actual movie showed it for yeah, me they showed the yeah, no, fan that is yes that is true i have that is true. some thoughts on that we'll get into oh, okay we'll get into it okay the basic show info of this film is a young man working at a cinema on a special premiere night finds that the films being shown are full of strange and eerie occurrences Spooky. So spooky, spooky. I mean, accurate, right? Like, true. One thing that I will say is that these descriptions have just, they got more and more accurate and more and more succinct. I love that. This film was released on November 10th of the year 2000. That's my mother's birthday. Um, Not the year 2000, of course, just November 10th. What What a weird timeline that would be. The pressing question on my mind is, did either of you watch this movie as a kid? No. No. No, yeah, same. We've, I feel like we're getting into an era where it's like going to be very, very hit or miss for us. But we've had two, two or three in a row now where none of us have seen those. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is the, there was a string. I remember us talking about, I think before sequel season where it's like, I haven't seen any of these films coming up. I have no idea what to expect. And, yeah. what and we're the screen. It. Yeah, we're here. Sequel season though. I feel like we'll come back. Cause I yeah. do remember tuning in for some of the sequels of the movies that I liked the, or for sure. We're also hitting, we're going to hit the, um, TV shows became movies section mm. where like the even stevens movie yeah. the jet jackson mm. movie like i liked the show so i tuned in for the movie version as and well. and even if i didn't watch the sequel i'm we're familiar with the characters yeah. right there's mm-hmm. like uh there's sort of a knowing what to expect and like i'm familiar with the vibe whereas these are total shots in the dark i have no idea what i mean what exactly. i'm walking into at all going in blind the top song now this is only the third time that this has occurred in our short run as a podcast the, uh, we have the same top song two weeks in a row uh, and it is come on over baby by christina oh, aguilera hell yeah and a good one it was come she on was baby. dominating she was baby. dominating the charts at this time Truly. i yeah. loved her so much now the top grossing film though for this week was Charlie's Angels. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, <laughs> Lucy Liu. One, that's the, the one. That's the OG. Well, like, I saw that. I was like, not wait a minute. OG, yeah. But, but yeah. OG. My, my OG. Yeah. The recent one is like one of the worst box office flops in history. That's true. The reboot. But this yeah. one was good. I liked this one. You can only Bernie Mac, right? So many is times. Is Bernie Mac in this? I think uh, so. And uh, Bill Murray was in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the draw. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray. Yeah. Man, I loved Cameron Diaz, too. What happened to her? She disappeared off face of the earth. I actually just saw a thing about her coming back. Huh. I was a big fan of her work. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, some top news of the time. The PlayStation 2 had recently been released, and it is still one of the most popular gaming consoles ever created. I think we talked about this before, but literally we we've hit that point in time when the PlayStation 2 was released. I remember it well. Yeah. Big moment. Big I didn't get it immediately, but it was a big deal. I didn't either. I, but uh, did you experience this issue, Max? I know this is very gamer nerd, so for all six of you out there who maybe experienced this, but I had such a hard time because that's when I first realized like, oh shit, I need memory cards for this. Like actually save my stuff and have it be consistently somewhere. And I was like, when I first bought it, I didn't have any memory cards. I didn't have anything like that mm-hmm. to plug into the state. It's like, why can't I play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? I had, I had already gone through this in the previous generation, but I understand you. Yeah, I didn't have a PlayStation. This was, th- I think this outside of the Nintendo 64 and the Super Nintendo was my first foray into like the new consoles. So I was utterly unfamiliar. Listener, I need you to know that uh, we've had a hell of a time recording this podcast so far. Uh, this is probably the fourth time yes. we've started recording. We have we've restarted at least and thrice. I just want to say, I think it's the phantom of the podcast. I think it is too, dude. I, I, I It's that. the phantom of the Zetus Lapidus podcast. The phantom of Zetus. Here. I'm just saying, of all episodes, of all episodes, you've lost internet, I've lost internet, your computer's crashed, you know, like we're trading. Yeah, we are. It's the Phantom. Who's up next? That's probably probably, It's probably Molly's laptop is up next. Um, Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay, as I was saying, another news headline of the time, if we can even just get through the intro intro section. If the the Phantom will let us. Honestly, guys, if the Phantom lets us. Do we need to offer him something? I offer him my praise. Praise, uh, Phantom. Oh, Phantom, my benevolent podcast ghost person. Oh, cat. <laughs> it's like I have a, something it's... more tangible. A shitload of Capri Sun. <laughs> would you like a Roaring Waters grape? <laughs> That'll make now, the Phantom Don't, don't offer that. That'll make the Phantom really Phantom, mad. would you like a great Pop-Tart? <laughs> God, the Phantom will just shut He's it all down. turn it all off. Uh, the That's Phantom right. takes us off the air we'll at that point. It. We'll never get there. Okay, the, the second bit of news for the time was the election of the year 2000 was held on November 7th between George W. Bush and Al Gore. Did anything happen interesting that election? No, and it won't election. conclude for 38 years. <laughs> Still controversy. Hanging chads. Yeah. Chads who hang, man. They're Chad. all over the all over those papers. Just hanging. Damn it, Florida. Hanging around. Still, still a thing. Wouldn't damn be, it, Florida. Wouldn't be the last time I said, damn it, Florida. Nope. That's <laughs> true. Some might call this the origin story, <laughs> really, of, of all the nonsense that happens You're down not here. not wrong. You're not Going wrong. Going down the bayou. Are we ready to talk about Phantom and the Megaplex? Even if the Phantom doesn't want us to, we are going to talk about it. I think the Phantom wants us to get started. Okay. If the Phantom doth deem it, uh, okay, we and shall begin. so we shall begin our conversation about the Phantom of the Megaplex. Okay, this the movie kicks off. How yeah, thrilled were you that the movie kicked off with exposition? Fucking again? hated it. So How I thrilled have... were you that five minutes into the film we were still getting video? Jesus I literally Christ. wrote the I, I wrote the timestamp. It was five nineteen, and I we finally it as well. ended the exposition. I want yeah, you to I checked oh. it as well because eventually I was like, God, this is a lot of video. Like. <laughs> 
it, for some reason it didn't bother me as much as normal but after a while i was like god it doesn't stop it no, just it keeps going it's because they weren't staring you in the face while sa like this is i have begun to classify my level of disdain for voiceover and exposition in decoms Level one is like, please, like, it's not there, right? Those are the signs of a decom that is good. If you do not include exposition in terms of voiceover, I, I am willing to bet that you are probably gonna be a seven plus rating on the decom scale. It's a safe bet. The minute you add VO and exposition for this, I'm knocking your ass down. You are not getting higher than a six. It's not happening because you're trash. And depending on the level of VO that you're adding, it could get significantly worse. Wow, spoiler on your rating. Mm -hmm. I don't care. VO is trash, listener, and you heard it here first. So it, that's not true. VO is great in some instances, but in these instances, not so great. Phantom now, of the all Megaplex. you out there working in VO, you heard what Alan said. You're I trash. heart your face. You're trash. Wonderful. You specifically, like, Alan thinks you're trash. I don't feel say like that. you're calling us trash no i have VR. a few is, I, what is this if not vo yeah gonna... have we never vo'd a, a video wow remember when we had to vo our meal at night, medieval times i'm you know, trash <laughs> uh, my name's forky and i'm trash yeah. <laughs> that's true <laughs> so we have big knockoff phantom of the opera vibes obviously throughout this in, the entirety of this film and I, I literally thought and said out loud, fuck, more voiceover as soon as the movie kicked off. Yeah. And then Deadass stared into the pit of, of despair for five minutes and 19 seconds as the VO continued. To be fair, the five minutes and 19 seconds were chock full of information. It was a lot sure of that. We got introduced to way too many characters. <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk true. about them, shall we? So not only do we learn not only do we learn about characters, we get some backstory. So the theater that we had was the Megaplex today currently sits on the grounds of where an old theater used to sit that was demolished and somebody died or maybe didn't die, but probably died in the first movie that was ever shown who was Phantom of the Opera. Part one, done. Yeah. Next you meet Pete Riley, who's the youngest assistant manager in a long time. He also has pants that are very, very baggy, which is <laughs> the two thousands for you. We also meet Wolfgang Metermeyer, which, whoa, That's what a the name. owner of the theater. The owner oh, of the no. theater. Yeah, we only, and we only meet him by seeing a photo. Him, him. A, a photo and him yeah. on the, being a yeah. constant presence on the phone, though we never hear his voice until later. Uh, we meet Ricky, nicknamed Ricky Rules. And this is when I thought to myself, oh, oh, we're getting nicknames that describe personalities here to help yep. us keep the I, sheer volume of I characters straight. Yeah. That's when I immediately, I was like, we're getting a, a shitload of characters. Oh, like, yeah. we're about to get so a ton many of characters. Them. Yeah. We get Ricky Rules. He follows the rules. Scary yes. Terry. She's. I, I love Scary Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I love she's, her. She's the one that's like, one time someone ate burned popcorn and they died. Like, she, yeah. everybody knew this kid growing up. She'll just insert herself into any conversation and say the craziest fucking story you've ever heard in your entire Here life. Comes to You're like, be downer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's her. Uh, you get. Hillary Honey. Yeah, who, uh -huh. who ends every sentence by calling you a term of endearment and acts uh -huh. like a grandmother, hey, even though she's 15 years old. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Question mark, which made me actually facepalm. That was good. He, <laughs> he questions Just, everything. Oh. Everything. He's pedantic. He's not I, even questioning love, anything. He's I know, pedantic. but question mark is funny. question mark is a great name. You get Racy Lacy. <laughs> this one fast. I did not like. <laughs> I was like, I, oh, no. 
I, I, uh, not that I didn't like her. She's a fine character. The intention of the name is that like she runs everywhere. She's always in a hurry. She's uh-huh. moving at the speed of sound. But I was like, racy, lacy for, for a teenager. Really? You're going to go with racy, lacy. They could have called her like, they could have called her like anything. Speedy Sarah or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Not racy. Not racy lacy. Maybe not racy. Yeah. Then you get Merle. Just Merle. Yeah, he doesn't have a nickname. He's, he's just the, Merle. He's the projector the guy. But he yeah. like knows every. He's your IT guy. He's every mm-hmm. IT guy you've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to. Well, hey, this is Merle. Also, another camera shot technique that is returned is the freeze frame. When you introduce the new character and they're and they're really telling nickname, you freeze frame on them, which I also adored. It was super great. I love having that back. And then you get movie Mason, which is Mickey Rooney. Yeah, what the hell? What are you doing here, Mickey? (laughs) Movie Mason is an older gent who works at the theater, but doesn't work on at the theater because he's not on payroll. He just shows up and is helpful. But is he though? And like gets on the nerves of Sean, who's the manager, not the general manager, but the manager of the theater. And Sean is very annoyed by Movie Mason. Sean is a dick and like I I I, I didn't like Sean from the get-go because he throws away movie Mason's papers in front of movie Mason while movie Mason Mickey Rooney is staring at him like that's like hey thanks for the gift it's trash like and toss I was like Sean you are terrible as a person today dislike so we get introduced to basically every caricature of a teenager in yeah. in the movie theater, and there are the nicknames and things. You know what I'm going to ask? Which one are each of us? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which which caricature character are we? Or better yet, what would our nicknames be if we worked at this movie oh. theater? I'm going to nickname you. To the max. Wow. To the max. I like to the max. I feel like when you have a strong emotion, you take it to the max. Ah. Like you are Mm. maximum energy when talking about Mr. Toad. True. When talking about the family, when talking Mm. about people being wrong at trivia, Mm. it is to the max. Interesting. That's true. Interesting. What would yours be, Malls? I'm trying to think about this. It has to start, like it has to be alliterative, which is it has to be alliterative, well, does, rhyme, yeah. or some I mean, kind it was of pun just to the max, right? Yeah, uh, that was kind of like question mark, you know, yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah. play on your. Why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we go like go back to your AIM name, which is Hot Tamale? That's true. That was Hot Tamale is name. a pretty good one because it's also candy you can buy at the Megaplex. That's true. Yeah, and like fiery. Yeah, right. A not fire. even just. Uh, yeah. Not even just like a. She's hot, but like a like there's like a fiery kind of mm-hmm. personality there. Yeah. I think that. She's could fiery. be good. Hot yeah. tamale could Hot be tamale. good. Okay. To the max. Hot tamale. God, I, uh, I'm so worried about mine. It's going to be another Professor Blitz, isn't it? There's you not made a lot of like... Blitz. There's not like a rhymy name. I'd have a hard time rhyming like uh-huh. Racy Lacy. I think we probably don't have a rhyme for Alan. Mm-hmm. I just looked up adjectives that start with A. <laughs> What's at the top of that list? Well, I'll just go through them. A bloom. Abiding. A bloom. <laughs> Achy. 
Adequate. <laughs> adequate Alan. Ad- adequate adequate Alan. Alan. That's pretty funny. That's Not like, accurate, but pretty funny. That's what Alan uh, would give himself. But That's true. That's Alan not, would call himself adequate Alan. I agree. Affordable. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that... Here, here's what I'll say about Alan. Is that Alan... Alan could be Pete, and mm. Pete doesn't have a nickname. That's true. Right? Alan could be assistant manager Alan. Don't make me Pete. And, yeah. and, and not have a nickname. Like, Sean doesn't have a nickname. I'm not saying you're Sean, but I'm saying, like, the management type don't have nicknames. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're just who they are. And Alan could be assistant manager Alan. I was thinking, like... I'm titled now. Amazing Alan or, no. like... Something Amazing Alan works. Like something. Spider Man already has that adjective. To, astounding Alan. Yeah, something to make it very clear that, that Alan best. is the best of us. The best one. I yeah, I kind of liked affordable. Awesome Alan. Awesome Alan. Awesome Alan. Yeah, because he's he's a superhero. Yeah. In my eyes. Okay. And all, all always Alan. Because he's always there for you. Yes. Oh, he's he's, he's always Alan. Adap- adaptable Alan. Ooh, adaptable. He, he can a, do anything. Agreeable Alan. Agreeable Alan. Admirable Alan. Admirable Alan is pretty good. You know what I think it would be? I think every time Alan came on screen, we would just give him another nickname. A new, a new doting name. Yeah, a new A adjective. And it he is, would get equally uncomfortable every time. Like he is right now. Yeah, so it'd be like yeah. the first time you meet him, it'd be like, this is awesome alan he's awesome at everything he's awesome at everything and then the next time he comes on screen he's like hey you know what i've never fixed a projector before but i'll sure give it a go and it's like thanks adaptable alan how about how (laughs) you're so adaptable and then like the next time like some old lady's scared in the movie theater because it's real windy or whatever and he like saves the old lady and it's like wow he is sure angelic alan and like every time we (laughs) have like a halo with Hang yeah. over his head. So just every time he does something, uh, I like it. He I like becomes it. It, it a new changes. Act. Yeah, it's oh. it's yeah. adaptable, just okay. like I, Alan. Just well, like Alan is. We got some. We have some names for each yeah. other now. So that's that's the hot tamale to the and max. You might see him start to get. You might see him start to get upset, and you'd be like, "Oh, he's gonna be angry, Alan." But then Alan doesn't get angry, and, and so about he'll like he reverts yeah. back to agreeable Alan real quick. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So we cut to a boot camp scene, effectively, with Sean attempting to whip his troops, also known as caricatures, into shape for this movie premiere that has been orchestrated by Wolfgang. Let me just, I I just want to quickly say as we went through that cast, I actually really like this cast generally. And I think part of why is because, yeah, there's a lot of them, but literally by making them one-dimensional characters, I get every person every time they come on screen. Like, it's fine that they are one-dimensional caricatures. They are an ensemble cast. I don't need to know anything else about them. The characters that get development get development, but every time Scary Terry comes on screen, I know exactly what her role is. She has a bit. Every time Racy Lacey comes on screen, I know exactly... And they commit very well. Like, 
every time Mark is in a conversation, somebody's going to say something to him. And the first thing he's going to say back will be a question. Like Mm -hmm. I actually really appreciate that. They have a big ensemble cast. That's easy to understand. And they are well committed in the writing. I, I, it's a lot of people, but I actually, I really like it. I think that they nailed this like ensemble feel of working at the theater. This one was a good one. I thought that when, as soon as they did the introductions, I, I, thought please just let them live in this lane and if you do then that leaves room for the characters that we're supposed to care about and we can care about them right like that that gives us that that freedom to do so i also didn't hate the exposition here because whilst it lasted for over five minutes it only lasted that yeah we never got it again we never got it again that's true it's like we got the setup the backstory we got the quick rapid fire intro of all these characters and then the movie played out it wasn't like alley cat strike where every 15 minutes we had to stop the movie so that oh god alex could explain what was going on as opposed to just showing us what's going on because i don't i don't know another way to tell the backstory of that movie theater and to introduce so many characters so quickly without that quick um introduction so while i did roll my eyes when it started i thought it was okay because it didn't come back again we get this boot camp scene where sean is prepping the staff for the premiere of the movie do either you remember what movie they're, is they're premiering here? It's called Midnight Mayhem. Midnight Mayhem. That is Midnight correct. Midnight Mayhem. Midnight Mayhem. So they are the, the premiere of Midnight Mayhem has been uh, Wolfgang has worked hard to get the premiere of this Megaplex. And this is like the premiere of the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. I am to understand that this is the premiere yes. of this blockbuster film is at this random ass movie theater. Correct. Now. You're, you're saying that unbelievably, but I need to give some context here for what's going to happen in the rest of this episode. The, I, I'm, I weirdly resonate with this film really strongly. <laughs> so my high school job from when I was 16 until actually my freshman year of college when I moved to Disney was I worked in movie theaters. And one of the theaters I worked in was the theater next to the headquarters of Regal Cinema and they had movie premieres. I'm not shitting you. In this weird little town in Tennessee, we did the premiere for um, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, with, uh, the Brendan Fraser movie? The Brendan Fraser one. And we did the premiere for, what was the first one they did? Oh my God, I can't remember. There were like three while I was there. There were three because it was next to the headquarters of Regal Cinema. Like that was where the premiere was. That's why I legitimately remember events just like this. So there was so bizarre LA premiere. That was the premiere. I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. All right. Well, that's wild to me, but I guess it's steeped in reality. So did you get to meet Brendan Fraser? You know, I didn't. Hmm. That's bummer. a bummer. We love Brendan. So Sean is whipping his troops into shape and he does so with amazing turn of phrase like it's service that can't be beat that put butts in every seat. Don't good, worry. I motto. literally wrote down every single one of those turn of phrases that I heard throughout this film and I cannot wait to share them with you, listener. Is that so you can tell Molly and I when we're talking about how to run Mammoth Club? You can you can spout <laughs> you can, these inspirational yes, phrases. You, yes. During during our, our Mammoth meetings, we I'll, I'll be sure to bring these up. So <laughs> and after he spits that turn of phrase, he goes, remember everybody rise to my level or be gone, which seems like a real big management bait and switch like service that can't be beat puts butt in every seat. Also, if you don't rise to my level, you're fired. True. What? 
Somebody's reading like the manager's book of management. And I was like, this, stop, stop it. This is, stop it immediately. Sean gets a, uh, a phone call from Wolfgang. He's trying to get everybody prepped and ready. And, and he, he gets some, um, Sean gets some, some bad news here. Wolfgang calls. Let Sean know that there's been a general manager position open for this megaplex. Sean didn't get it, guys. Mm. Sean, Sean, and Sean takes it well. A little nepotism was uh, at play, if I'm remembering correctly. It was like his son-in-law got the job. Yeah, so there is a little bit of nepotism at play here. I think the the intention of this is like we're we're pushing Sean into a meltdown situation at this point, and he does some acting, some chef's kiss acting. It was like <sighs> like some heavy breathing in front of his team and staff. This whole movie takes place in one day, right? Yeah, yeah. I just feel like Wolfgang is not a great senior leader <laughs> because if you are going to have a huge event at your facility with all these like movie stars and things, do you think it's a good idea to tell the person running that event that they're not getting a promotion that day? <laughs> On the day of the event? <laughs> that day. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the move. In fact, you might want to, um, this is horrible leadership. You might want to manipulate them and be like, if it goes well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Right? That's some true leadership right yeah, there. That's, that's yeah. not skeezy at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Uh, Sean turns, he, he sort of internalizes his grief and says this ringer, a smile at every door keeps him coming back for more. God, it really does too. It really does. And he dismisses yeah. Thank uh, you. everybody but Pete. And then he looks at Pete. He's like, hey, whatever goes wrong, I'm blaming you. Thank <laughs> you, like, Accolade Whoa! Allen, for that. That was good. Accolade Allen. <laughs> Ooh, I like this name. <laughs> so this is the setup at the theater. We're sort of establishing those work relationships. Yeah. Now, naturally, we have to go back home and establish the home relationships that Pete has. So we meet Pete's mom, single parent counter. Goes up. I couldn't tell what happened to dad. I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter, but did, did he die or? Who knows? They kind of mentioned that. It seems like he's dead. They talk about him in a way that uh, I think he's dead. Also, it took me a minute, but we've got a community theater. We sure do. Only one, I think, in this whole movie. We just got the one. Yeah. And she got a name this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the mom from Under Wraps who quite literally was just, just called mom. mom in Under Wraps. Yeah. Marshall's mom is Marshall's how she's mom. credited on yeah. the IMDb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she got a name this time, Julie Riley. Congratulations, mom. Congratulations, Julie. We also meet uh, Pete's younger sister, Karen Riley, and younger brother, Brian Riley. And they, this is another thing that they do a really good job of establishing for both of those characters is that they continue uh, throwing out in-universe movie quotes and references. Mm -hmm. And even Pete acknowledges, like, is everything you say a reference to a movie? So you you get right off the bat that these two kids, big into movie culture, love seeing the movies. They You'll, love the movies. This is the perfect job for them because they love the <laughs> love movies. movies. They've, they've ridden on Great Movie Ride before. They've been on Great Movie Ride. They want to be a GMR host, and I've got bad news for them. <laughs> I've started to realize that in DCOMs, there's only one reason why a kid can be passionate about a thing, and it's because their dead parent liked it. Because 
they did they did mention and, and this is why i think dad is dead is because they're like his mom at one point they're talking about p working and, her, and his mom is like your dad really loved the movies. He would go all the time. Maybe that's why you work there. And you know, we've now we've got Rip Girls. Yep. You know, we've got uh, um, uh, uh, Ray to Run. Oh, and yeah. now, and now, Phantom. The only reason why you can be passionate about anything is because your dead parent loved it first. That also, um, Horse Sense. Sure. Yeah, horse sense as well. A- Andy Lawrence loved horses and working on the farm because because his, da- his dad dad did. did it with him. Yeah. It Mom, is like yeah, the yeah. beat for yeah. passion. Mm. For sure. Mom says this to Pete because as Pete is sitting down and eating a, a mixing bowl full of cereal, uh, which cereal. by the way, I did as a kid. I a hundred percent had mixing bowls full of cereal. We don't have any now, no, but we can get it. Wow. Mm. Want some cereal? I have cereal downstairs. No, I don't have milk. You need a dry. Walmart's probably milk. open 24 hours or a gas true. station. Or... could probably get some Instacarted by the time we're done with this. So mom and Pete have a conversation and mom is like, hey, you're working too hard. You're going to be burned out before you're 30. And I was watching this. I was like, oh, oh, as somebody in my that, 30s, I was did like. Did that hit too, that, too close to home for you? Pat? Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is the first time. And I was like, how old is this kid? Right. He's, like He's 17. 17. He's 17. But I was like, 30. What a like. That's so far away if you're 17. Also, he says. Uh, she says all work and no play. And he says, it's going to make me really, really rich. And let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the pay at a movie. As, you as somebody that worked at a movie theater, <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you what it's not going to make. <laughs> really, really rich. Uh, uh, because I made minimum wage when I worked and it was five fifteen an hour. Um, oh now he's an assistant manager, so he's probably making 20 grand a year. But, um, uh, you know, all work and no play ain't going to make that kid anything. Let me well, maybe you. maybe he doesn't want to work at the movie theater forever. Maybe he's just learning on the job skill set and management uh, abilities. No, 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 no. Wait a maybe. second here. Wait a second here. The entire first part of this film, and then we'll get to it a little bit at the end, is around... The career, climbing the career ladder at the Megaplex. All right. They literally well, talk about you know him what? getting I'm Sean's just, job and then maybe general that's manager. That's true. At the I just wanted him to like have a have little, aspirations. Have aspirations of you know. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd like working <clears throat> at a movie theater. It was a great high school job. I'm just gonna say it. Like I love movies. You get probably get free popcorn. I don't know. You you know. You, uh, you do, but I'm gonna. But I will tell you that I, I think your love for popcorn will wane. That's probably um, true. I I had about a 15-year stint where I didn't eat popcorn. I've only recently come back to popcorn, actually, because I was so over it. There was literally about 15 years of my life where I didn't eat it. Uh, any popcorn or just movie theater popcorn? No popcorn. I just didn't want it. Because wow. not only it's one of those things where it's like you we we only the only food we got for free was popcorn. You could have all the soda you wanted. We had popcorn for free and then we had, you know, you buy nacho tins at yeah. movie theaters, right? When you, we had to make those, they didn't come packaged. You had to like, there were like big bags of nachos. And then we had to like put the nachos in the, in the thing. Like the chips and if, in there? Yeah. We had to put the chips in the plastic container. And if a chip was broken, you could eat it. So, 
<laughs> so I'm sure it comes as no surprise oh, and it was like, oh, I'm getting God. a bag down from this. Oh, I dropped it. Shit. What happened? I'm like, oh, you mean, you mean there are some, you mean there are some broken <laughs> chips in this bag? I'm shocked. But aren't they just like dry ass tortilla chips? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. it, it, it's kind of stale, yeah. stale, round, <laughs> shitty tortilla chips. Oh, and you couldn't have cheese. Yeah, because that came in the well, that sealed. came in the in the sealed container. You had to pay two dollars for that. So it's just plain <laughs> dry oh, dry bits of chip and then salty ass popcorn with your soda. That's all you could eat. You Lovely. would smell like popcorn. <laughs> You'd smell like He's so like dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily you could drink. <sighs> Coke, all yeah. you want. Yeah, you're right. That hydrates you. Right. You could drink all the soda you wanted all the time. So the I, entire purpose of him going home is to establish the middle sister and the younger brother, like our movie buffs, and he has to take them to the movie on the same night as the premiere. That's another question I have. Max, as someone yeah. who worked at the movie theater and yeah. worked during... <laughs> as your, just like you have your ho- horse girl episode. Yeah, this is This your is episode. my horse girl episode. This is... You, you are my horse girl right now. <laughs> I lived this moment. And so I... Just like I... You know, I said bridal and you corrected me. Um, what was it called? It wasn't halter. a bridal because it's it a, a halter. Right? I'm here to answer your high school movie working questions. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Here's my question for you. I'm ready. Clearly, I just learned that you actually had movie premieres at your movie theater. True. Did yeah. you also run operations at the movie theater all day? What What does that mean? Like, I think it's crazy that they uh, are just running the movie theater all day long with guests. And then at seven o'clock, they're going to have a movie th- like movie premiere. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, not not far off. So I would say, uh, as I recall from the the last premiere I worked, we definitely ran movies in the morning, right? First movie would be like, I don't know, 11 a.m., 10 a.m., something like that, right? And then we ran movies all morning, early afternoon. As I recall, there were movies that ran until like three-ish, four o'clock p.m. And then um, and then it got shut down and like the event started. I think the weird thing is that they run movies up until the moment the event is about to start. That's not realistic, but we definitely ran films until probably three or 4 PM. And then the premiere was at like six. I'm just like, when you would need time to clean so much could go wrong. There was a whole, now we were not understaffed. Let me tell you, they, they the were Phantom of the Megaplex runs into a problem. Okay. They're understaffed, but we had a whole crew that was just dedicated to prepping for the event and then a crew that was running normal operations. I remember my memory from this was that at one point they ran out of like ice or something and I was sent to the target down the street to just buy like every bit they had in the store. Like <laughs> nice. my general manager was like, here's a company credit card, which I was 17 and had never handled before. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, please go spend a thousand dollars. And I was like, I don't understand how money works. <laughs> and suddenly had to, you know, do that. Learn how it worked real fast. Honda Civic. So nice. yeah, good yeah. stuff. You're right, Max. They were incredibly understaffed for this premiere. They, you, the next scene is you arrive back 
and Sean receives a call and there have been call-ins. Then the three of us know that feeling well because I think all three of us have showed up to a Disney shift and figured out that staffing is a problem and half of I've, your shift I've is managed staffing. Yeah, yeah, you've been there, there too. There was nothing like the feeling of thinking that you had a really cushy oh my god job in magic kingdom mm-hmm. here's a little bts for working in magic kingdom tours is there's a position called the lunch coordinator and all that person does is help check in the guests for keys to the kingdom take everyone's lunch order send the lunch order to <laughs> when i worked there columbia harbor house and then go to Columbia Harbor House, help them set up the table by putting out the name tags. And then during the three lunch periods, your whole job was to like answer questions and point guests to the bathroom and like just let the tour guide kind of sit for 30 minutes and and eat their lunch. And then after your hour and a half in Columbia Harbor House, you got free lunch, which at the time was a huge deal because like Mm. you're a poor Disney employee and you got free columbia harbor house food and that was your entire day it was the easiest that's a good shift ever it was like the best shift and there was no worse feeling than walking into work thinking you're the lunch coordinator and having the the tour admin come up to you and be like hey so katie called in you're gonna have to give the tour and you're like (laughs) my day (laughs) and it's like sure did i love giving the tour yeah but when you've mentally prepared that all you have to do is hand out chicken nuggets and now you have to go talk for six hours you're like yeah oh okay my day my day it's my day that's what's happening in the megaplex right now everybody's having that my day moment everybody's covering two shifts at once and the theater is Popping. I mean, it, it sure is, is going off. They got a sword and the right. stone gag happening. They got yeah, what? Uh, they got crazy. Guidos and polos. They got know. blow. I, mean, I, I do know why it was there. I get the payoff, but crazy. Yeah, I <laughs> crazy. Was, I was like, is this Fantasyland? Yeah, also, I just. So yes, it is fantasy. Also, what day of the week was this? Because that movie theater was busy for these to all be like matinee films. If yeah, we're expecting the premiere to be at night like these are like your two o'clock showings i can't imagine these are that busy another another memory of mine was that our premiere was in the middle of the week it was like a wednesday everybody got let off of school uh apparently for this premiere because it's such a big event i right? think That's it's the summer i do think it's the uh, summer. That, that would no be it, it it is because he says at the end of the movie like they, it's summer they can stay up late for his um uh, yeah, yeah true so we have everybody back at the theater now it's popping the staff that we've met is all covering doubles because they're the only staff we've met, so they can't bring anybody else in and add anybody right. to the mix. They got a lot, bunch of different gags going, uh, and then we meet the villain character, Donnie Holly, uh. who says the great line, why does that dog make it so easy to rattle his cage? Uh, about our, our titular, our, not our titular character, but our lead character, Pete. I have two observations about the bully in this film. One, he and Pete look basically the exact same. True. Yeah, they're identical. <laughs> like they, they're, I, they're supposed to, I guess. But they yeah. look the exact same. And second of all, maybe I missed it. But at one point, Pete says something about the bully where he's like, go back to your perfect life. And I thought, I bet this bully's life isn't perfect. I bet much like in previous films, we're going to learn that the bully is actually dealing with some trauma at home and that there's a reason he acts the way he does 
Mm. That never gets paid off at all. No, he's like, just a bad. He's, yeah, he's just a bad kid. He's yeah. just an ass. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know why we needed that line then, but all right. <laughs> Molly, this movie is full of one-dimensional caricatures, and this bully is one of them. And I'm thrilled to have a one-dimensional bully, but yeah. um, I just thought, oh, they're going to pay that off, much like in The Other Me, but they, they, did not. they sure. didn't. Also, I just I want to just make sure we point out that there was a mammoth joke in this movie when... Pete is scarfing down his cereal. His mom's like, slow down. No one's going to take your mammoth meat. Ugh. I don't huh. like the idea of them eating yeah, mammoth. That's, yeah. Just, that, and that's certainly not a brand of cereal. She must have been calling him a caveman in another scene. Yeah, I think she was referring to him as a caveman the way he was eating it. Um, also, the, if anyone the reason, was worried, I just Instacarted milk. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Welcome, listener. And more cereal. <laughs> The reason the bully character is important, though, is because Pete uh, has arranged for yeah, yeah. Uh, the girl, the lady, love the lady, to be at the premiere. So Pete, because he's a system manager, has the pull, and he has his eyes on uh, a girl he goes to school with, and he has gotten her and a friend passes to the premiere so that you know they can come they can have this cool thing hoping to impress and then the bully shows up who pete very quickly explains like everything i want he wants he always gets it because i have to be here at work he comes from money he doesn't need to work i'm just trying to work to even keep up implying that uh this character is rich and like and cool and hot and gets everything he wants and Pete doesn't ever get it. And like now he's going to steal his girl. True. I have two observations to make one related to this particular scene and the other for an upcoming one. The first is the lady interest. This child actor has got to be nearly 30. Um, <laughs> like I saw, so I was like, no, or at least late teens, early twenties. It was very, it she gave me very genius older. vibes. Yeah. Almost had the arena to ourselves, right? Like she was Best line. Yeah, amazing line. So she, I was like, no shot. She's 17 Two, you know, Sean is desperate because he is allowing movie Mason to aid in the ticket taking in the mm. theater and movie Mason is inefficient, very inefficient, but I love movie Mason for one reason and one reason only. And it is this following line. He says, young Sean, he calls Sean, young Sean. It makes me very happy. Young Sean, a man in crisis should not be worried about the irrelevant details. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's a good point. <laughs> Fucking brilliant movie, Mason. But brilliant. I will say, he's doing this to advocate for why he should be able to tear tickets, which Sean originally says, like, no, you don't work here. And I think Sean should have held that position because as I watched him do this, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. And also, I know we didn't mention it, but about a, two scenes before this... Ricky mentions that they're a unionized employee base. <laughs> and he, he mentions that the union is going to have issues with the fact that they're skipping their lunches. Yep. And listen, as somebody that has led 
in a union environment for multiple years. Mm. I'm here to tell you that they should have been offering OT in order of seniority to <laughs> their employees. But they certainly shouldn't. I mean, this is going to get grieved. The oh, fact they're, they're that grieved. not only yeah. is this totally illegal, which is going to come up in just a second, but not only is this completely illegal, there are going to be grievances because there should have been OT and maybe even double time offered oh, in order of seniority to all full-time employees of this establishment. Agreed. I, I, yeah, the legality of the work agreement with Movie Mason is akin to the legality of the um, sponsorship contract that Brink gets. With <laughs> <laughs> that Team x Blads. <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds correct. We never asked your parents. It's yeah. totally legal. I think the entire purpose, uh, now granted, there is, listener, to be very clear, there is so much that happens in this movie, but so very little of it is substantive. The, the actual key plot drivers take place in bursts and it's sort of insulated by fluff. And what we're in right now is key fluff territory. But I believe if I were to put on my critical thinking hat from my AP literature assessment courses AP as a high Allen. schooler. Go on. AP Allen. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> is Assessment, Alan. Mm -hmm. I just thought to myself, is the underlying theme here revolving around Pete, the enjoyment of movies versus getting that bag, mm. right? We're establishing the thematic element here of like, I want to get that bag, make my money. I want to make my millions as an assistant manager at a megaplex versus boy i just love movies and th the reason it calls into question for me is we have the arrival of middle sister younger brother right it was karen and brian well and i want to i just want to quickly pause to say I, I think it's an interesting point you make and that movie mason provides a good foil because movie mason shows up to the theater every day doesn't want to get paid doesn't care about getting paid albeit that's completely illegal for <laughs> his work as a ticket taker Purely because of his love for the movies. He mm. he doesn't care at all about the money. He just wants to be there because movies are magic to Movie Mason. And so he, he's an interesting foil to Pete. How do you think they got Mickey Rooney to be in this movie? I have no, <laughs> no idea. Fucking why, why the fuck is Mickey Rooney in this movie? I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm not going to find a, a satisfactory answer. Mickey Rooney. Why, why, that's all I thought the whole time was like, why are you here? I, like, I can't understand. In previous movies, we've talked about how often the senior actor kind of plays this like shepherding narrator role, like in Halloween Town. But that's not what Movie Mason does no. at all. He's just like this funny side character that is like this kind of kooky old man who loves the movies. There's really no good answer. By the way, fun backstory about Movie Mason's character that we don't get at all, but I, there's literally a paragraph about him on the wiki. It's his family, Movie Mason's family. Guys, this is actually interesting trivia. Movie Mason's family opened the old theater that was demolished before the Megaplex was built. And when the theater closed down and the Megaplex opened, Mason still thought he worked there. So he's senile, <laughs> though he technically doesn't. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they. I think they say I that. I think all they the say that. Yeah, they say. They I, they, I must have missed it. I was just. Yeah. I was just still flabbergasted. I also just. Yeah, that's now you're taking advantage of a old gentleman who's got some memory loss. So that ah, feels it's very worse. illegal. It's feels very worse. illegal. And yeah, to your point, Alan, the siblings show up. They are uh, running late because Movie Mason is so slow to tear the tickets that he's backed up the line all the way down the stairs. The siblings are are frustrated. What's going on? We got to make the movie. And then Sean comes over and makes Movie Mason leave because he is discovered by talking to Mr. Niedermeyer that this is an insurance concern. <laughs> and that by having Movie Mason work, this is he, he is uh, creating an insurance liability. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yes. Right. Uh, yes, that is correct. correct. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have gotten that, that job. You know, yeah. Maybe it wasn't per- just nepotism. Perhaps you were never supposed to be a general manager. <laughs> I agree. A hundred percent. So Karen and Brian show up. They, uh, through conversations previous, they have determined that they are going to Brian's movie selection because Karen wanted to go to a horror movie. It was like Blood University, some horror slasher flick. Uh, and the mom was like, no, you're not going to that. You're going to go sit and be with your brother. And then sort of in the scenes throughout, this is sort of gurgling underneath the, uh, the, the main plot fluff area. Middle sister is like, I'm going to buy tickets. I'm going to go. Or I'm going to leave the brother Brian in the movie theater with his movie. I'm going to go sit with the, with the blood university with my friends. This does indeed come to pass. Karen leaves Brian. Brian, as Karen exits the theater in these movies, goes, no offense, I can see you anytime. I'm here to see the movie. And I was like, you tell him, Brian. The one-liners in this movie were exquisite. He wants to watch Farmer Brown Goes to Town. (laughs) Farmer Brown Goes (laughs) to Town. that's the film he's watching, is (laughs) Farmer Brown Goes to Town. And this is when everything starts to go wrong in the theater. And there's a number of people saying like, oh, it's the Phantom of the Megaplex. It's the recurring theme from the five and a half minute exposition from earlier in this and we're like this we don't know who's the phantom and who's not uh from the gumball spilling all over the okay, floor but the gumballs were very clearly the bully i don't think you mm. can blame the gumballs on the phantom i i agree it's the, definitely the first moment of chaos but there sh- the, the the phantom wasn't there the bully is like i'll help you the phantom's here though <laughs> Again, my headphones have fallen off my head. Alan's headphones completely fell off. Auditory Alan. All right, we're back. Attacked Alan. I was attacked by the Phantom. Okay, we're back. Uh, So the the bully did cause the the, the gumballs. The gumballs were the bully because Brian breaks the the gumball machine and the bully's like, I'll help you. But instead he just like breaks it so the gumballs go everywhere because he's trying to fuck with Pete. And then, can we just quickly say... Yeah, oh, we must. That Pete <laughs> <laughs> does <laughs> the craziest fucking thing imaginable. <laughs> In that, rather, there are fucking gun balls everywhere. Like People are literally... Like, hundreds of gun balls are fucking all over the floor. People are literally... Ripping and falling and hurting. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, um, it's like because, hitting a banana peel on because Mario Because of the gumballs. And Pete walks over to a hockey display, oh. takes the stick, oh. knocks a garbage can over, and then starts hitting gumballs as hard as he can <laughs> into an overturned garbage can. Oh, God. One at a time! <laughs> 
<laughs> one at a time. One at a time. It would take you four hours to clean up the gumballs this way. One at a time, everyone cheers. They're like, you did great. There's still fucking 200 gumballs on the ground. Yeah, there's like an audience around like clapping oh. each time he hits one in. And I'm like, that trick would get old after the fourth gumball. It's like, so dumb. Just sweep them. Oh, God, sweep it's them. So and dumb. then he walks away and like, there were so many gumballs on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> job half done. Job half done. Half. Job just started. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the start of the chaos in the theater. Popcorn begins to overflow. A projector is broken. And I remember at this moment looking over at Molly as we were viewing this, and I was like, and it was around the third incident that had begun to occur, which is a movie about a blackout where the projector kept kept breaking. I was like, oh, I wonder if the issues in the theater correlate to the title of the films. That's that's when I was like, I wonder if this is how this is going to play out. Spoiler alert, listener. That's exactly how it plays out because now everything is going wrong across all of these theaters and it all relates to the movies that are being viewed. I really wish they'd had some more interesting films going on then for this trope to occur because <laughs> yeah. they have like, there's one movie called like cyclone horror or something like that and then over. like a big fan like it's really breezy in there and then yeah like yeah. one of them it the projection cuts i really wish they'd been playing like jaws no no, no. here's the kicker you know what <laughs> one theater shark shows up no 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 yes. no no both of you you know what Land one shark. movie didn't have any problems blood university that would have been funny. Oh, that's true. There was no killer in, in the killer movie. They should have just had movie. murders happening. Yeah. I think, I think the Phantom got cold, cold feet yeah, on the, that one. The Phantom's like, I'll <laughs> but, turn the fan on, but I'm not going like, I'm I'm not not to do a murder anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to kill someone. My favorite was when this all starts, P goes into the, into the movie where the projector's messing up and it's out of focus. And like... There's a riot happening in this theater, which, by the way, not realistic at all, right? But there's all these people that are upset, and he walks in, and somebody stands up, like, very first, fix the projector! Like, just <laughs> the most, like, did you, did you also, out of control scream. <laughs> did you also notice? So P goes in to fix it. That he has this same sort of like go-to line. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, if you have an issue at the theater, you can take it up at the front desk. If you would like, we are going to restart the film, but we could also submit a refund for you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Now, the second time he does this, he's walking out of the theater after like talking with Merle to get the projector fixed. And so, and I just, I remember watching the scene, somebody at the other side of the theater behind him stands up reaches into their popcorn bucket, grabs a handful of popcorn, and yucks it. At <laughs> Poor Pete. As he's Dude, walking off Being frame. an extra in this scene had to have been so good. It's like, just <laughs> act angry. Just be oh, it. You can God. do whatever you want. It was amazing. But this is what, like, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, so much and nothing is happening at the yeah. same time. Because they do this scene four times in a row with each every, different thing. Yeah, every like, scene is crazy. And also not moving anything forward. Like, like the popcorn overflows and it's like, whoa, like we have to figure out what to do with all this popcorn. And it's like, they address that. And then, then in the next scene, it's like windy and it's like, whoa. And it's like, okay, are we going to progress like the finding of the phantom or no? We're just no. going to do these gags over and yeah, over we, and we over We don't even again. progress to like the fan. 
Brian is the only He's person who is moving the phantom thing forward. Yeah. And also, while all this is playing out, we're supposed to give a shit about mom on her date with George? Yeah. Like that, that, that plot happening? line is we so unnecessary. We did not need this. Yeah, mom's on a date with her boyfriend who Karen has told her she needs to convince him to propose. So now we're like supposed to be invested in the fact that like mom wants to get engaged. Do you know what her Karen says? 11 year old daughter was like, Karen says the following, put him in a headlock to get into wedlock. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, You're going to be a professional. Now. Okay. I, I have to, I have to come and like push my glasses up for just a second here. Um, right, Let's do it. You're going to um actually us. Not you all. The there's movie? a lot of there's a lot of talk about projectors in this movie. Okay, okay. okay. there's a lot of conversations about projectors. First, because of the out of focus projector, then because there's a projector that loops later, yeah. um, and they talk a lot about how the computer system is failing. Mm. Let me tell you about a projector, because <laughs> I I have quite literally run those projectors like. The ones in the movie theater I worked in were just like those. Same palettes, same film. That is an entirely mechanical machine. It's not programmed to run a certain thing. It is an entirely mechanical machine. You mean it's not plugged into a motherboard, Mac? It's not just... That's not how it fucking works. Like <laughs> to the max, to the max, oh, to the max. I was, I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Nothing about this makes sense. And the fact that Merle goes in there and you see him staring at what I think is quite literally a computer printout, like across across computer paper that's been taped together a motherboard that he's just sort of staring at and generally wiggling in front of supposed to, that's supposed to indicate to me that Merle is working on the project. That's bananas. He's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I I really liked the, the it's looping. It's film. What do you mean? It's looping. Like, is it the same bit of film over and over and over again? Like, it's not a YouTube video that you've put on repeat. It's literally film. Take it out of the projector and nothing will show anymore. Like, it's so confusing to me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just know too much, I guess, about. <sighs> well, we've, we've, we've shattered the illusion now, Max. You know, yeah, I you guess. know too much. I uh, guess. To your point, Molly. We have the same shenanigan and chaos scene happen four times across four different movies. While this is happening, there is there are two subplots occurring, maybe two or three subplots occurring. One is the interaction between Karen and Brian as they sort of theater hop because they're they're sort of being chased by this elderly um, woman who is sort of a theater seater role unclear bathroom matron maybe because she does shout into Babysitter. the bathroom at one point. Cinema sitter is her name. Oh, well, now we know. Cinema Sitter. Uh, we also have Pete contending with his cast of characters with the chaos and also, also trying to talk to his mom on the payphone. And, and, and flirt with the girl. And flirt with the girl. Yep. And flirt, and keep Donnie away from the girl. There's a lot. There's Listener, there's so much happening. Pete's got a lot to deal with. Pete's got a lot going on. You know what could have simplified it? Cut the whole <laughs> mom storyline. Yes. Just Cut. get the mom storyline out of here and it would have helped. Yes. So all of this results in Pete being unable to take his sister and brother home as intended. 
So he calls mom. Mom is supposed to come pick them up. George's car breaks down. Mom can't. This is, again, unnecessary plot. So now the kids are on the hunt, specifically Brian, investigating the shenanigans happening in the theater, trying to find the Phantom of the Megaplex. Pete does not believe this at all and says it loud and proud. What we do get is Brian moving the plot forward and effectively saying, we have to go on this investigation, on this journey to find the Phantom, which leads him into the basement of the theater. There are so many staircases into the basement of this theater. I thought, how deep is this subterranean movie theater? This is like a bomb shelter in this movie theater with how deep it goes. It is insanely deep. It's a mine. They're literally mining. Um, and they, they arrive at the bottom, and of course it's creepy. They've got a bunch of like props and stuff down there. And I was like, what the, what are we, what are we doing here? And this is where Mason lives. He lives in the theater. I, I, he literally lives there. I don't, I, I, I thought he just went there for lunch. I oh, thought I'm, this was just where he went for lunch. I think he lives there. I was like, oh, in your head cannon, this in my is head cannon, movie Mason <laughs> I, lives in the I movie I think theater. I was too busy focusing on the fact that, um, Pete is Oliver Trask from the OC, which every time I saw him, that's all I could think about is how he's Oliver, who has like this crazy, speaking of crazy subplots, like there's this crazy subplot on the OC that he falls in love with Marissa and then holds her up at gunpoint. Like it's a whole thing. Pete? Pete. Yeah. You never would have thought. I know. You'd think he'd he be was such a young entrepreneur. I know, but he he falls entrepreneur? He, he moves to he moves to California and shit goes down. Sorry, a young part of the machine. <laughs> yeah. A young, a young cog of the in the man. machine. To yeah, be fair, yeah, he becomes cog. rich. So maybe Oh, he did yeah. it then. Oh he did it. He did all, it. all work and no play. Yeah. Made Pete a I crazy think made Pete a rich, rich man with a gun. I think it's his parents' <laughs> money because he is in high school, but he lives in a hotel. It's God, that show's so good. Um, but sorry, I was just thinking about that for most of the movie. I wasn't paying attention to movie Mason's home in the basement. Lunch hole. Yeah. <laughs> we also, he's, the he's other like thing we've. Gollum. Precious movies. <laughs> Mickey Rooney as movie Mason as Gollum. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, magic. I gotta say, uh, right now you're being acting, Alan. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Ooh. A little bit amusing, Alan. <laughs> okay, so they find Mason in the movie theater, and they ask him directly, point blank. Brian asks Mason, "Are you the Phantom of the Megaplex?" And if I may. I want to read to you oh, no. what Mason says in response. God, I can't wait. It's crazy. I shit. can't wait. Acting Alan, do it. Hold on, hold on. They, it closed. It closed. I want scene. you to embody Mickey Rooney, please. Also, I, I just want to say the idea that he could be the Phantom is laughable because the Phantom moves quite swiftly. What admonishment of uh, Mickey Rooney? He here? doesn't move quickly. At all throughout yeah, what entire a good, film. What a good cover-up. That's Y'all, true. He's the red up. herring of this movie. Buckle up for what Mickey Rudy says in response to a very simple question of, are you the Phantom of the Megaplex? No, should be his answer. <laughs> no, should be the answer. Instead, he says, when we arrive in this world, magic is all around us. You simply have to see a baby discover a butterfly or a toddler <laughs> splash in the bath for the first time. 
Yet, as the years pass, simple pleasures aren't quite so simple to find. Myths and legends fall away. Santa's secrets are revealed. Card tricks lose their fascination. Truer wonder is hard to come by. But there's always magic at the movies. Pirate ships, bicycles that fly, angels that earn their wings, beautiful women marry handsome men. And we all learn there's no place like also home. magic. To destroy that magic, to shatter those moments, to me, is a sin so grave it would almost be incomprehensible. <laughs> if there truly is a phantom, my friends, I assure you, it most definitely is not me. I, I wish Brian woke up was like, so no? <laughs> a simple no would have sufficed. <laughs> a simple no would have sufficed. Maybe, maybe Karen should have been the one to say it. Instead. She's like, so is that a uh, that, no, right? So, yeah. so what I'm hearing you just say to, is I no. I just want to confirm. I just want to confirm. Yeah. Like, yeah, that what was a the cool. hell was what that? What a monologue. I think if anybody has an audition, I challenge any listener. <laughs> I challenge any listener that has an audition to deliver that Mickey Rooney monologue as your audition piece and uh, <laughs> let me know how it goes. D- DM me if it was a success. Yeah, we need to know. Maybe if you didn't get the yeah. part, I don't want to hear about it. But <laughs> if, if, it was, if it was a success, I, I want to know. I'm interested in it. Okay, so that is his response, which is as, just insane. Absolutely Sorry, insane. Have we, we've, uh, I understand why, because 8,000 things are happening. But we have skipped that Sean has gone missing. Oh, yeah. Sean all, all of this chaos, Sean is nowhere to be found. The manager of this movie theater is missing. And they go looking for him. And the reason Brian knows where the basement is is because he has just gone to the basement with Pete to find Sean with duct tape over his mouth tied He's a hostage. in He's a the hostage. basement as a hostage. <laughs> And he's like, somebody came up behind me. They pushed me. They duct taped my mouth. And it's like, if that happened, call the police. <laughs> like, why, why are we still running this premiere? You should call the authorities. Somebody kidnapped you and threw you in the basement. You should call someone. Like, <laughs> It's so ridiculous. I was just like, what's this dipshit oh, doing? No, like, literally, Sean looked at him like, the show must go on. I'm like, that's not the right thing to say. This happens mint, mint. twice. <laughs> twice. The next time he's on a hook, which I have questions of how he got there. So yeah, I have concerning later. Like, yeah, yeah, we got to circle back to this because yeah, I absolutely. also have some questions. I have legitimate questions about how much money Disney had to pay Universal to use all of this phantom of the opera footage because phantom of the opera the original 1920 something movie is a universal movie starred lon chaney he was like a pioneer in special effects and horror movie makeup and that's a universal movie and they show it multiple times they show it in the beginning they show it when they're in the basement and i'm just kind of surprised i guess because disney clearly had to pay licensing rights to universal to use that footage so I wonder how much it was. And I'm also kind of surprised that it's on Disney Plus because that would mean they're still paying them for it, right? I just looked up to see about public domain. And I know that there's been some change to public domain and copyright laws over the years, specifically because of Disney. Um, currently, it's 120 years after it 
came out. So we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. But but I wonder what it was in 2006 or in 2000. It probably wasn't significantly different, but it uh, yeah that i you're right that's crazy i i i initially was like well could they just do it because it was public domain but i, I think the answer is no yeah it came out i just confirmed 1925 so it's not 100 yeah. years old not, yet not so yeah that is wild well all this is happening in the basement we have another thing of crazy happening on the movie floor and that is this woman shows up and is like, I'm here for the premiere, and your heads will roll if I, my, my patrons are not treated well, brought out of our vehicle, brought inside, and given the royal treatment as per Wolfgang. Wolfgang has told us that we will have the ability to see the movie in our most beautiful setting of this megaplex. And you must let us inside. And if you don't, I will sue you before you can say the words, head will roll. And I was like, what? Did anyone else think she looks like Christine Baranski off Wish? Oh, <laughs> gotta be honest. Not familiar with the reference. Christine Baranski is the actress <laughs> who played Martha Mayhew in The Grinch. She's oh, in Mamma Mia. She's like uh, a pretty famous yeah, actress. Okay, get it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Just yeah. don't know the name. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have this woman attempt to intimidate children and be wildly unsuccessful. And she retreats to her vehicle because children are unintimidable and they are like monsters in this instance. We get more sequences of fluffy chaos. It's just chaos for no reason. And this is when Brian continues to attempt to like, who's going to be the Phantom? It's not Mason. It's got to be Merle. It's, this feels like family feud. And Brian is the only consistent. And the question is, who's the Phantom? I just think Brian is probably used to chaos because... Oh, God. Oh, it's here. Is we, this we what's happening? This is your Brian, Brian is, is used the guy? to chaos. Yeah, is your setup. That, Brian that is, is used to chaos. That's yeah, your setup. Because actor Jacob Smith uh-huh. also played Jake Baker in Cheaper by the Dozen. And if I've ever uh, seen chaos, mm, it's in yeah, the film it, Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, you're right. They got a lot going on. And uh, in Cheaper by the Dozen, one of the oldest children in the family, Nora, is played by Piper Parabo who mm-hmm. I best know as Violet Sanford in the hit film Coyote Ugly. Ah. Great movie. Soundtrack still slaps. And, of course, Violet Sanford. She's the star of the film. There's a lot of really great actors in that movie. Tyra Banks makes appearances in that movie. But I don't know if anyone did as good of a job as Bar Patron. <laughs> okay. Who's Bar Patron? <laughs> Greg Collins. I'm glad you asked. Greg Collins <laughs> played Bar Patron. He also played... Halsey in the hit film Armageddon. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, this is a fast mm-hmm. connection this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From well, bar patron to Halsey. Yeah. Quite the upgrade. It was what fast a, on that up. side. Buckle up for the back half of this one. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else stole the show in Armageddon? It was client number two. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> Played by the incomparable Albert Wong who also really dazzled me in ER when he uh-huh. played elderly male patient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember him in that. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, also making an appearance in ER as Tommy was Gabriel Damon, who uh-huh. maybe you don't know him from ER, but I bet you'd know his voice as he was Littlefoot the Dinosaur. In the land before time. Oh, I do know Whittlefoot. We love the land before time. Another character that you may love from Land Before Time, Ducky. 
True. Ducky. Hmm. Yeah. I do cute, Ducky. Cute little dinosaur voiced by Judith Barcy. Now, I know Judith Barcy better in another role, and that's because she played Thea. Alan, do you know any movies with a character named Thea? Thea? Yeah. I feel like I should. This seems like a clear setup, but why am I drawing a blank? Who's Thea? What if I told you Thea was Michael Brody's daughter in Jaws the Revenge? Oh, my The fourth Lord. film in the Jaws canon. And truly a surprise to everyone is the fact that Michael Caine is in Jaws the Revenge. Michael Caine. And he literally said that he took the role of Hoagie in Jaws the Revenge to pay off his gambling debts, and he's never <laughs> seen the movie. Just probably for the best, because it's bad. But I love it, really, quite a lot. Uh, Michael Caine, in a more renowned role, played Arthur Tressler and Now You See Me Too. Also in Now You See Me Too is Lizzie Kaplan, who played Lula. But I know Lizzie Kaplan as playing Janice Ian in the hit team film Mean Girls, one of my favorites. And in Mean Girls, there's quite an ensemble cast just like there is in this one, especially when you start thinking about all the girls that the plastics write about in the Burn Book. And some of you may remember that they write about Amber D'Alessio because she made out with a hot dog. (laughs) It was one time. But you know what? Amber D'Alessio was played by Julia Chantry, who in this film is Scary Terry. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Scary Terry. Made out with a hot dog one time. How interesting. Yep. You've been armageddon the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. So we got there by going to Brian. I, I want to amend something I said. I've, I've done a little bit of extra research. Um, the 120 years on copyright and public domain is for anonymously published or a pseudonymous, a pseudo. Never mind. Uh, anonymously <laughs> published or with pseudonym? a pseudonym. There it yeah. is. Uh, pseudonymously? I don't know how you would say that word. Um, published works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's less, it's like 95 years or something less than that. But regardless, we weren't there in 2000. It certainly wasn't 74 years. So I, it can't be a public domain, but I'm mostly correcting myself. Uh, I want to comment because you start with Brian and in chaos. You know, as I was watching Brian run all around the theater, all I could think about was how, once again, we have a non-employee running around dangerous equipment like projectors and the insurance liability, there has to be letting Brian be near projectors (laughs) and other dangerous equipment at this movie theater. It is what a risk associated. Thank you, shop steward. Max. <laughs> I'm saying to the max, the shop yeah. steward role. I'm, uh, I'm here to represent the union of this the theater. Now, much like this film, we are going to take a deep breath and try desperately to bring this thing home. So, <sighs> we have now had Sean be adult napped twice. The kids have had to rescue him twice. We have Metermeyer show up for the premiere with the new general manager. He is at the exterior of the theater, welcoming in the guests. We are about to move into Weekend Mayhem. I'm sorry, Midnight Mayhem. Alliteration is important. And we're about to have this premiere. Everybody comes inside. 
They are going to drop the the ceremonial balloons on top of the crowd. And what should happen? But they are water balloons and not regular balloons. Oh, like what? The logistics. Well, because Sean put them up there, and and now the Phantom has filled them with balloons. It's Mm, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, The balloons splash over all the guests. Metermeyer is naturally upset but they're but not as upset it. as i feel like they should i be. agree molly <laughs> I, I agree fucking pissed i would be so bad if i was dressed up nicely to go to a movie premiere and then you dumped water bo- like a water balloon on my head i would be fucking furious and they're like wet and then pete comes with like a six towels for 30 people and then they're like it's fine what all right let's watch the movie Mm-hmm. Let's watch the movie. We learn here that Metermeyer doesn't know Sean's name. He keeps calling him the wrong name. And we have all of these A-list actors and actresses appear, one of which is Madison Ashley Metz, who movie Mason once encouraged to become an actress. So she did. And now she's an actress and she's here on a on a date with movie Mason to see the premiere. Just unnecessary. Uh, I just, I just <laughs> we, we find out in this moment that Madison Ashley Metz grew up in this town and grew up knowing movie Mason. And let me tell you the most unbelievable thing in this whole film is that nobody knows that Madison <laughs> Ashley meds grew up in this town Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, another weird connection I have with this movie, Megan Fox went to my small town elementary school what? for one for one year. Oh, okay. Machine Gun Kelly's. I mean, Machine Gun Kelly's Megan Fox. Star of the Transformers films. That's the one. Went to my elementary school for one year. Huh. No one would shut the fuck up about how Megan Fox (laughs) had gone to our elementary school for one year. From the moment she got famous. Did you know she she went she went to school here? It's all anybody would fucking talk about. So the idea that this girl is a movie star and nobody talks about the fact that she grew up here is crazy. Yeah, certainly wouldn't happen. They would, they would be talking about it. So we get all the patrons in the theater to see Midnight Mayhem. We have learned in the, in the time since then that the great big dinosaur and gorilla who are inflatable on the outside of the, uh, outside of the megaplex have gone missing. So, uh, Pete goes up there with Karen and Brian to find the inflatables. Now, shop steward Max, would it be acceptable for children to be on the roof of the movie uh, theater? Interesting. Seems like a massive insurance liability to have uh, non-employee. OSHA should uh, investigate. Perhaps OSHA should get involved. I agree. OSHA should be involved all up in this sitch. So they are major lawsuits should be coming upon this theater. Mm-hmm. Even worse, made worse because the Phantom is there in his spirit Halloween cloak <laughs> and decides to throw a tarp over the children and, like, and run around them in a comic gag and tie them with a plastic rope. And he goes oh, ha, 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 the whole time he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, with so good. With not organ, no, certainly not organ music playing, like a natural organ. Like somebody tuned their keyboard to the organ setting and like played yeah. the notes like womp 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 womp. So, 
it's brilliant, really. So the kids fall over. They sh- they could die. Like literally, they're on the roof. On the roof. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pete puts our worries to rest after Karen voices her concerns about rolling off the roof, and Pete says, "Don't worry, there's a balcony." <laughs> yeah, I think that was literally for people like me watching it. Like they're gonna die. Like they're gonna fall off the roof. Now here's the kicker: is that the children don't attempt to disentangle themselves by untying the plastic rope. They attempt to. They attempt to turn a lever that, like, is supposed to, like, blow an air vent open to, like, blow the tarp off them. So, like, they literally are trying to tie, like, the knot loop around a lever to, like, turn the handle to, like, it's ridiculous. They free themselves is the outcome of this. And they run downstairs to the premiere theater as the movie premiere is beginning. Metermeyer is... God, what a fun name to say. Metermeyer is giving his introductory speech. And what should we see emerging from over the orchestral section, the rear uh, overlook? But the massive, somehow fucking roaring, inflatable dinosaur. I also... <laughs> That's Godzilla, baby. I also noticed it was roaring much like the shark in Jaws the Revenge. I was mm. like, this... How is it roaring? Like, why is it roaring? Is that the phantom? Is he doing the sound effects? Like, I, I don't know. Probably. It is, it, it is wild. And then in a Godzilla versus Kong situation, the inflatable gorilla shows up as well. In, a, in an almost like jump scare moment. <laughs> yeah. Because the, there's a Godzilla coming over the balcony and somebody's like, I'm going to go out by the screen. And then as they do, like out of nowhere, like a gorilla suddenly is like lurched out. Here, uh, this giant inflatable. Here's my question. And I know that Pete is about to break free and pull the sword from the stone and go pop sure. the thing. King Arthur. Spoiler alert. Why would anyone in the theater oh try God. and pop it? With, like, anything. A shoe, a high heel, <laughs> a key. Yeah. Like, uh, a somebody pen. has to have a pocket knife, a pen, yeah. a safety. Like, are you, everyone just it's, is, like, screaming and, like, free. I'm like, it's a balloon. Like, they're literally balloons. pop it. They're, they're balloons. Literally pop it <laughs> no we need the sword that is definitely real and sharp uh, that's in the lobby of a movie theater to pop the balloon which by the way we didn't even get here because obviously there's too much going on which by the way donnie holly already pulled from the stone he, he legitimately Pulled the sword. This bully character early in the film has been like, no, I'm King Arthur now. I pulled the sword from the stone. I would like my prize. Like, you let the bully pull the sword from the stone? (laughs) And then when Pete needs it, they have to turn it off rather than him, like, walking up and being like, I'll pull the sword from the... No. They're like, oh, no. It just got... Actually, it just got reset. So it needs 10,000 more pulls. So you're... What's just turn it off for you like (laughs) it's crazy what (laughs) it's so wild pete runs in stabs both balloons and then gets into a behind this projector screen fight with the phantom once again in his spirit halloween cloak and they fly like tarzan (laughs) through on a rope and gimbal fighting each other in the air, casting shadow puppets I'm on sorry. the projector scene. I'm 
sorry, my favorite part of this is not. I love the backlit fight, but my favorite part is that the fucking balloon is filling the whole theater, and. Pete still feels the need to leap from the balcony and fucking mount the dinosaur <laughs> like he's riding on the back of Godzilla and thrusts the blade. You can't uh, just walk up to it and, and pop it, it, Pete. Like you must leap from the balcony. On, oh my god, it's so uh, good. This whole scene is so good. I love it's it. Ridiculous. The fight scene ends with the Phantom and Pete bursting forth from the screen and it is revealed in this moment that sean sean mcgibbons who could have predicted this is the fa- it's like the old scooby-doo sean mcgibbons whoa, what whoa, 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 and i would have got away with it too if it wasn't for, yeah, it wasn't for you kids. meddling kids like and Niedermeyer is pissed. I have some follow-ups. How the fuck did Sean tie himself up and duct tape his own mouth? <laughs> that is a good I, I'm good with the duct taping his own mouth, but the tying your stuff. hands behind your back is crazy. <laughs> like, I don't also, know how he did that. Hang himself on a hook. Like, what? Did he just fucking jump until he got it? Like, <laughs> and like hope he didn't <laughs> poke himself? Like, yeah. His back has got to be so bruised. Like yeah. He's just constantly slamming so the hook over and over again. So Niedermeyer is pissed. Sean's angry. Uh, Wait, my favorite part of this is Niedermeyer goes, I'm going to arrest you for mischief. And I thought, can you be arrested for mischief? Sir, we're going to be arresting you for reckless endangerment of non-employees at your business. Um, (laughs) I, I have some news. You are in some really heavy legal disputes now because there were a lot of people put in danger uh, tonight. Two minors and an elderly man who do, who do not yeah. work here have been put in danger. I'm just like mischief. We have um, that's funny. We have some sort of movie producer who whisks Sean away and is like, "I've got a great idea for a flick, kid. It's called Phantom of the Megaplex: The Sean McGibbon Story." I like this. I like yeah. the meta mention of the movie. <laughs> Can't have a movie without na- saying yeah. the name, and here they fucking did it. Like, uh, and then. Because we have to wrap up every subplot, Mom gets engaged to George through a proposal with oh. an analogy about plants oh, that plant was brought up earlier. God. Again, the movie could have done without this, please. And then, then, because we have to climb the corporate ladder, Niedermeyer goes up to Pete, a 17-year-old, and is like, hey, Sean, the 30-year-old's a crazy person, so we're going to not have him here anymore. You, a 17-year-old, would you like to be the manager of the Megaplex? And Sean is like, no. He actually is like, I got to take my girl out for breakfast. And And I was like, damn. I got to take this 28-year-old out for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And we got to go. We got to go to the Cracker Barrel to grab a a quick special. I think that's what they meant. (laughs) Breakfast. It's like 7 p.m. I know. Like, the hell do you mean it's breakfast? Max, I think he means it's they're gonna have breakfast tomorrow. Damn, they're gonna fuck and then That's take and then bow, go. Ting. All right. Anyway, Niedermeyer hearing that uh, Pete has a, has a hot date, hands him a crisp fifty to yeah. go out to breakfast for breakfast. 
And then they're off to the Waffle House, kid. You can get, you're going to get so many upgrade waffles. Upgrade to the IHOP, bucks. kid. Get the All-Star <laughs> special. Yeah, you can tell this was before inflation. True. And then everybody just stays for the premiere again. And Pete convinces mom not to take Karen and Brian home, but instead to stay with George at the Megaplex. And everybody's going to go watch the movie. So Pete lied to Niedermeyer about going to breakfast because he's just walking back into the Megaplex to go watch the premiere now. And then the movie wraps with everybody being like, with Scary Terry being like, I, I guess there wasn't a Phantom of the Megaplex. And Movie Mason saying, well, yeah, have you heard about the werewolf of the Megaplex? The movie doors close and you hear a Ooh. Yeah, and now Fade they're all going to die from the werewolf. And Scary Terry pops in and she's shit. like, you remember when everyone got murdered at the premiere for Midnight Mayhem? <laughs> and then the, the werewolf came like, in and... The werewolf came in and, and and ate their flesh. Oh, my God. So that is Phantom of the Megaplex, everybody. Uh, movie Fates of Black on a Howl and Mickey Rooney. So I am very curious, you two, as to what you have rated this film. Now, Max, we are going to start with you, our resident expert, somebody who has worked at a theater, somebody who has intimate yeah. and detailed knowledge of the industry. I am the waiting industry. Yeah. on pins and needles with bated I, breath. I don't know if it's because I... You know, this movie hits home. But I actually think, I think maybe that this movie is so stupid. <laughs> Just maybe. I think, I think maybe that this movie is so stupid that it went all the way down and came back around on my, on my rating. And I, I'm going to give it a high rating because I think mm -hmm. it's so stupid <laughs> that it has become good. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Like, I can't score it low because it's so stupid. It's so dumb. That I liked it. Yeah. And every moment I was like, what the fuck is happening? And that made it better. And so I'm giving it a 7.6. Wow. 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 I think it's so dumb in the best way. Wow. Yeah, I can, I can uh, understand okay, okay, that. Okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I, I actually rated this as soon as it ended. And my, my thoughts were, God, this movie is so dumb and so chaotic and just so wild but i why don't i hate it like literally every fiber of my being wanted to dislike this movie but i think there's just so much like bonkers stuff happening all the time like again chaotic fluff around a plot that needs to move faster i think if the movie was if the movie was more efficient i actually don't know if i'd like it as much i i, I don't think i don't know if i would i'm going to give it a 6.8 it's like it is above average to me. It's just, I don't know why I, I don't know why I enjoy it. I think it's a movie that I will watch back to laugh at, but not laugh at because it is like, I couldn't do this with Quince. I couldn't do this with Don't Look Under the Bed. I could no, not do Quince it because it didn't, didn't rotate. No, they're just Tell like, you, you never tip the, it, you know what it is? It feels like the movie is self-aware enough and just meta enough that you're like, it's okay to make fun of it and laugh at it. And the others felt like they were serious and not particularly meta. So that's where I am. I'm going to give this movie a 6.1. Mm. I liked things about it. I liked, I kind of liked the one dimensional ensemble cast. I thought, it was decently acted for a decom. I actually liked Pete. I thought he was a likable main character. What this movie is missing for me is a nostalgia factor, I think. 
I think if I had watched this growing up, I would have liked it. I would have like remembered it fondly and been really excited to watch it. But as it stands, like I didn't dislike watching it, but I also don't have any like emotional attachment to it. But I thought the plot was like predictable, but but fun. And I thought it was decently acted. So above average for me, but it's not going to go as high as some of the other ones we've watched. Hmm. That's fair. Now, let me read you this abject rage from an IMDb <laughs> review. The title is Abject Rage Allen. Yeah. The title is Angry Allen. Ripoff. That is the title of this review. And I can't wait. Oh, honestly, have you this? This person doesn't understand the concepts and I'm so excited to read it. Here we go. Let's get into it. This is a cheap man's Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) Did Disney really think no one would notice? I mean, seriously, just change the word Megaplex with the word opera. I really hate this movie. I really do. This movie has horrible acting, horrible plot development, and just about horrible everything else. Though it does have its few moments, but those won't last long at all. This movie just suffers from being a ripoff. I mean, if you have seen Phantom of the Opera, you would know what I'm talking about. I have seen this movie once, and hopefully I will never have to go through, T-H-R-E-W, I will will never have to go through the torture of watching it again. This movie could have been a nice little kitty movie, but it wasn't. Stay away at all costs! Because it's in all caps, that last sentence. <laughs> this is my favorite review of all time, maybe. I really, I really like, I really like the guy that reviewed that only watches clone movies. <laughs> right, right. I, I really like the guy that that exclusively watches clone based content. But, <laughs> but this is a new high. <laughs> I like that this guy only watches phantom based movies. I like that this movie in literally has the movie Phantom of the Opera right. in it. Sure. <laughs> and that he thinks that it's a ripoff of like, what? <laughs> so he gave it a two out of like 10. Like Disney wasn't, <laughs> like Disney was like, no one will notice if oh. we just remake one of the most famous stories of all time. And they're so dumb. We're even going to put in clips yeah. from We're that so movie. We're so confident. We're going to oh pay Universal God. Studios a lot of money to get these clips. Oh, God. I, this is this is just... This person does just doesn't get it. Like, at the very... I, this, oh. this person is in YouTube comments sometimes. Like, oh, that's true. This that's per- true. This, they are. This person is like... It's, uh, oh, me, I know this person. This person is like the blurring of a hot dog. I yeah, think this person's like, why are you blurring the hot dogs? When yeah. you guys eat the because it's funny and we're three year olds. Like that's why this guy's the the guy who like I go into Doc Ondar's and I'm like, look, there's a Bantha and there's a Tauntaun and there's Bumbles, the abominable snowman from the claymation cartoons. This guy's the guy in the comments that's like, that's not Bumbles from the cartoons. That's a Wampa. I'm like, right? Like, we right. know, yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. I, I'm aware that yeah. Disney did not put Hold on. Bumbles the Claymation cartoon character. I, I really thought it was Bumbles, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Wait, I'm actually having a moment right now on this podcast. That That's not Bumbles? You saw Bumbles <laughs> bounced up onto the second floor of Doc Ondar's. I get it. 
<sighs> well, I saw him in the Monsters Inc. ride. <laughs> and, and so I thought, <laughs> I thought that this was. I the saw him in the Monster Dick Ride. Snowman. I, I I saw him in the Monster Dick Ride, and so I thought this was like oh a cross, a crossover, thing. huh? Yeah, yeah. because I also saw him on the Matterhorn. No, weird. And in Expedition Everest. Yeah, well, that's what that was the like. Oh, everything Disney. They like put him in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God. Anyway. They gave it a two out of ten, uh, and that is that is that review. I, I I wanted to read it with the anger that I think that this person felt as well. Oh so. man, I love it so yeah. much. That's a good I love review. It. I really loved it a lot. All right, next up we have the ultimate Christmas present. Oh, a holiday. Never flick. watched that either. Holiday flick. Nope. So looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for listening to Zetus Lapidus. If you could rate, subscribe, review, really helps us out. Also, follow us on our social media at Mammoth Club or Mammoth underscore Club. And until next time, friends, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.